to welcome you all to Silver Creek Fellowship today. It is so, so good to be all together in one big service today, back inside the tent. I'm feeling nostalgic today, actually, now that um, some of you may not know, but we actually met in this tent for a long time, all through the COVID season. So the way that we uh, continued to meet together is we put this tent up, and even through the winter, we met in this tent. We had patio heaters spread out. You could always see the cold-blooded folks because they would huddle around those patio heaters, and we were out here for a long time. And so it's uh, fun to be back outside everybody in one service today so we can see each other. Now, Our mission statement at Silver Creek Fellowship is we say we are together discovering God's dream for our lives. See, we believe at this church that God has a specific plan, a specific dream for each and every one of our lives. And it's holistic. It involves a plan for your family. It involves a plan for your finances. It involves a plan for your relationships. It involves a plan for your work, for your health, for your sexuality, for your faith, for your neighborhood, for your community. God has a plan for your life, a dream for your life. And here's something I'm certain about. If you are here today and you are still breathing, which most of us qualify, right? If you're here today and you're still breathing, then God's not done with you yet. God's plan for your life is not done yet. I know that with certainty. So no matter where you might be today on your road, on your journey towards God's dream for your life, here's what I know. God has a desire for each and every one of us to take our next step, to take that next step towards him and towards his dream for our life. Because God has a unique dream for your life, and I don't know that unique plan for each and every one of you, but here's what I do know about God's plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11. It's a life verse for many people for a good reason. It says this, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for your good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now, the thing is, though, friends, I've been around the church and I've been around Christians my entire life. I was five years old in 1988. That makes me 41. I'll do the math for you. I was five years old in 88 when my family was part of the group that planted Silver Creek Fellowship. I have literally grown up in the church. And one of the things that I've seen about human tendency and Christian tendency is that once we reach a point in our life where we feel comfortable we tend to stop making progress in our journey. Once we reach a point where life is good, or at least pretty good, we stop running away from the things that hurt us, and we get to a a sweet spot, and we tend to settle in there. But the fact of life is, friends, most people I know are not flourishing. They're surviving. They're simply in a survival, a day-to-day survival mode, and not fully taken hold of uh, the flourishing that God has intended for your life. God wants you to flourish, not just survive. But in order to flourish, the Bible actually gives us a specific environment that we need to be a part of to see that flourishing take place. Psalm 92, verse 12 through 15, this is what it says. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. 
They will still bear fruit in old age, and they will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, the Lord is upright. He's my rock, and there's no wickedness in him. So according to the psalmist, if we want to live a flourishing life, and it says that we need to be planted in the house of the Lord, not just a casual attender, not just somebody who occasionally is connecting with God's people and God's house, but people who are planted in firmly that their roots go in deep are people who are going to flourish. So according to the Bible, the environment that we're in will actually determine the level in which we flourish. Now, we live in the Willamette Valley. We are fortunate, friends, to live in the Willamette Valley. Just about everything flourishes when planted in the Willamette Valley. Just this week, my family was over at the beach, and as we were walking those trails at Beverly Beach, it's like a jungle. I mean, just rainforest, thick. It's flourishing. It's alive. But there are other places in our country that are nothing like that. In fact, let's compare that to Death Valley, California. How many of you have been to Death Valley, California? Okay, so Death Valley is proudly home of the hottest temperature on earth this year, 134 degrees, 134 degrees. In fact, we've got a picture here of Death Valley, California. Death Valley is called Death Valley for a reason. People don't live there. People don't farm there. People don't raise crops there. Why? Because the environment is not conductive or conducive to flourishing. But guess what? This last week, Hurricane Hillary came through, and in one 24-hour period, it dumped more rain than the average rainfall that falls in a year in Death Valley. And it's not the first time this has happened. Back in 2004, a freak storm dropped once again in 24 hours, more rain than falls in a year on Death Valley. And nothing changed immediately. Nothing changed instantly. But in the spring of 2005, this happened. There's another picture. It's called a super bloom. It, it, we're going to have one probably this coming spring once again because of what just took place. You see, Death Valley is actually a terrible name because Death Valley is not dead. It's just dormant. You see, the potential for beauty is always there. These seeds of potential are literally lying dormant right underneath the surface, just waiting for the right conditions to come along where this wonderful bloom can take place. Friends, I believe the same thing is true in your life, that the potential for change and the potential for beauty is right there in seeds in your life. And whether you can see it or not right now, you're not dead but maybe you are dormant. See, beneath the surface are these seeds of potential. And what the Bible says is you just need the right environment to come alongside that you can see these seeds begin to flourish. And here's what I want to do today. This is my goal for today's message. I want to pour some water on your life. I just want to take some water and drench you with it. Because I believe in each one of you who's here today. I believe that God has such a wonderful plan for your life. And I so, I just wish you could feel how I feel right now. I so want to see you take your next step. 
I so want to see you move out of survival mode and into flourishing mode. And friends, I'm not just talking about health, wealth, and prosperity. Listen, there's a way to flourish even in the midst of struggle and even in the midst of trial. I want to encourage you, friends, that I believe taking your next step with Christ is the very most important decision you can ever make. Because I believe a lot of you, if you were honest today, if I took a poll and said, why don't you raise your hand right now if this last year you've been feeling stuck? I, I'll bet you a lot of you would identify, yeah, I feel stuck. You identify with that scene of Death Valley. I feel dormant. I feel like life isn't going the way that I thought it would. I feel like my spirituality, my growth is not where it should be. And it's not actually because you're unwilling to take the next step. I think for many of you, you just don't know what the next step is. Like maybe the path is not clear to you. But see, the psalmist again says this, Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. What the psalmist is saying is God will make known to you the path of life. That's God's desire. He wants you to know what his dream for your life is. He wants you to take hold of it. He wants you to walk in it. God wants to show us this path. And again, if you're here today and you're breathing, that means this is for you. See, because actually I believe the sign of a healthy church is that there are people at every different level of the journey taking their next step. In a healthy church, there are people who are not yet followers of Jesus taking their first step and getting to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, turning over their lives to Him and joining into God's family. Those people who are joined into God's family are being trained and discipled and raised up. As they're raised up, they're finding their gifting, they're finding their calling in life. As they find their gifting and calling in life, they're being sent to make a difference into their community and into the world where new Christians are being made, where they're being raised. All the time, this motion, this activity is constantly happening. We never want to become a church of people who are all at the same step. We want to always, always, always be onboarding people and growing every step along the way. So my question for you today, friends, is what is your next step? What is your next step? Where are you at right now on the path of life? So here's what I want to do with my time today. I actually want to look at Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 16 through 18, it's a prayer that Paul prays for the church in Ephesus. And I believe in this prayer, you can clearly see Paul laying out this dream that God has for your life, this pathway that God has designed for us to walk along. So let's read this together this morning. I'll read it out loud. You don't have to read it. I'll read it for you. Ephesians 1, 16 through 18. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, Remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. 
I believe right here we can see a progression that Paul is praying and giving us. And actually, it's not just found here. All the way back into the book of uh, Exodus and all the way through the book of Revelation, you'll see this same progression that God is leading us and desiring us to take. Paul says, man, I've been praying for this. I'm constantly praying for you all. I'm praying for you all this. I'm praying that you might take your next step. And then he's going to list for them what those steps look like. And so if you're a note taker and you have a note sheet or you have it in your Bible app today, the first one here is step one in your journey towards God and your journey towards God's dream for your life. Step one is that you would know God, is that you would know God. And when Paul used this word, he used a Greek word in the New Testament. It's the word gnosko. Now, this Greek word in the New Testament is actually a unique word. It's a word that when you and I hear it, there's nothing shocking about it. When he says, I want you to know God, we're like, okay, yeah, know God. But gnosko to the original audience when they heard it would have been a shocking word because it's an intimate word. It's the same word that the Bible translators use when they say Adam knew his wife and they got pregnant. It's an intimate word. It's not a sexual word. It's an intimate word. It's a word that speaks of knowing, but not just knowing about, not a head knowledge, not information, but a relationship. You see, the people of the day that Paul was writing to didn't know that you could have an intimate, personal relationship with the Creator God. And friends, I'll tell you, this is still a huge stepping stone for people today. People don't realize that God's not looking for you to join a religion. He's looking to have a relationship with you. He wants you to know Him. He knows you so well. The Bible says he knows every hair on your head. The Bible says he planned your days before he even laid the foundation of the universe. He knows you better than you know yourself. But the question is, do you know him? Not about him. Not can you pass the trivia test. But do you know about him? Do you know what he likes? Do you know what his heart is like? Do you know what his desire for your life is? Because see, here's the thing. I believe you will never be able to move forward in God's dream for your life until you get this step right. If we were created, which we were, in the image of God, God created us in his image for his purpose, then the only way you can discover the reason on this earth is for you to know God, the creator, who made you for a purpose. You were created by God for a reason. And he's not looking for you to just have information about him. And this is where a lot of us get it wrong. He's not looking for a uh, religion. He's looking for a relationship. In fact, here's a teaching in Matthew that I think about often. Jesus says, Matthew 7, 21 through 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who does the will of my father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? Then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And guess what word Jesus uses here? It's the same word, gnosko, I never knew you. We never had a relationship. We never knew each other. 
You can say a bunch of religious things. You can memorize a bunch of texts. You can know all the right answers to pass the test. But friends, what makes all the difference in the world is this question. Do you know God? Do you have a relationship with him? Some of you here today need to take this step. Some of you who are here today have been coming to church, have been around church, have known people your whole life. You know the answers. You feel like culturally because you're an American and because your grandma went to church and maybe you did VBS when you were a kid, you feel like, yeah, of course, I, I know about God, but God's not looking for a people who know about him. He's looking for a people who know him, who have a relationship with him. This is the starting point to living a life of flourishing, to know God, to know his heart, to know his desire, to know his spirit, to be led by God and filled by God, to walk through this life, not on your own, but by and with the power of God and the word of God leading you. Listen, friends, knowledge, information will never save you. It's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. The next thing, once we have a relationship, once we know God, and I believe a lot of you here know God, a lot of you have taken that step, but right now you're waiting for this second step. You know God, and we stop there because it's like, hey, I got my get out of jail free card, right? I turned so I won't burn. So now what? Well, the second step is this, that you would find freedom, that you would find freedom. Paul says in Ephesians 1, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. The eyes of your heart would get enlightened. See, this is the second step in our spiritual journey. Paul is saying, I'm praying, as the message paraphrase says, that the eyes of your heart would be focused and clear. Now, you might be like me, more literal, and you're thinking, Paul, my eyes aren't on my heart. My eyes are on my head. I don't understand what is Paul talking about here. But friends, we need to understand this. Paul is making a point that we all need to realize. Every single one of you right now in this tent and watching online are looking at life. You're looking, in fact, at me right now through the lens of everything that's happened in your life up until this point. Every one of you is looking through the lens of your past, the lens of your pain, the lens of your problems, the lens of your hurts, the lens of your hurts, habits, and hang-ups. You're looking uh, through good days and bad days. You're, you're viewing everything around you and interpreting it in entirely different ways. We are all seeing through these different lenses. And Paul is praying that once we have this intimate relationship with God, where we know him personally, that our second step of our spiritual journey would be that we get our heart right that we get our heart healed, and that we start working on how we see things and how we process things. Because in this tent, you're all seeing the exact same stuff, but I promise you, not two of you are seeing it the same way. And so we've got to deal with this, friends. We have to deal with the stuff that's holding you back from being the best version of yourself that you can be. And as soon as I start to talk about it, almost everyone in this tent will immediately have something that comes to your mind that you know my life would be better if I was able to get past this. 
My life would be better if I was able to grow beyond this. My life would be better if I could get healing for this issue, this habit, this addiction, this character trait, that secret that you haven't told anybody else but God. I've got good news for you and bad news for you in this step. The good news is the solution is available to you. The bad news is this step is not just between you and God. In this step, to take this next step and find freedom, you're going to need other people too. See, God has given us a way to find freedom in Scripture, a way to find healing, and we find it in James chapter 5. This is what it says, James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So the Bible is clear. We go to God and God alone for forgiveness. But if you want to be healed, if you want to walk in freedom, if you want to leave behind your hurts, then you are going to need God's people to come alongside of you. This is why at Silver Creek Fellowship, we say, I inherited this from my father. We say almost every week, you need to find your group. You need to find your people. You need to find a community of people that you can live your life with, that you can take off your mask, that you can be known, and that you can get to know others. You need to be in a small group or a program like Celebrate Recovery or Daniel Plan or one of the so many other types of groups that we have here at Silver Creek Fellowship. Why? Because you need other people in your life. Friends, you've got to hear me on this. A lot of you know God, but you haven't found freedom because you're trying to do it by yourself. You're trying to do it alone. And in order to find freedom, you're going to have to be connected with God's people, the local church, and you're going to have to know and be known by others. Is it scary? Yep. Is there a chance you might get hurt? Yep. Is it worth it? It absolutely is. Because I so, again, I so want you to find the freedom that God has for your life. Here's number three. Number three is that you would discover purpose. Number three is that you would discover purpose. You see, next in Ephesians, Paul says, so that you might know the hope to which he has called you. The next step in your spiritual journey is to realize that God created you on purpose for a purpose. You were created on purpose for a purpose. Notice with me that the word hope and calling are connected here. You know, that happens a bunch of times in scripture, that hope and calling are connected. Why? Because see, if you really want to experience the hope that God has for your life, then you have to understand that you were made by God on purpose for a purpose. When you discover the purpose for your life, it's amazing how much hope God can infuse in your life as you begin to live your life according to his purpose and his calling. See, but here's the thing. A lot of you have put your purpose in the wrong stuff. We feel like our purpose is to make our family work better or our purpose is to, to figure out our American political system, or our purpose is to make our job work better. But friends, that's not your chief purpose in this life. 
You have a purpose that goes beyond and is above any of that. And as long as you are looking to satisfy your purpose in something that God never intended to satisfy your purpose, you are always, always going to be chasing your tail. You know, I, I saw this terrible sad study. You know, they used to say 80%, uh, 20% of the church congregation does the, the work and 80% consumes. Well, they just did a recent survey, 2023, February of this year, where they say now in the United States, that number's actually 87%. 87% of people who are attending church on a Sunday morning have no function in the body of Christ other than attending. And friends, this is a huge crisis. Because can you imagine, again, the Bible talks about the church body like our physical body. Can you imagine what would happen to your physical body if 87% of your body's systems weren't functioning? You'd be dead, right? It doesn't work. You can't function with only a fraction of yourself working the way God designed. But that's the same thing that happens in the church, is that a handful of people who are making progress in their journey end up taking over responsibility for things that God actually made you for, that he brought you here today for. Because he has a desire for you to take your next step. Here's the beautiful thing that happens when you do, friends, you find the reason you exist. You find the very reason that God made you. You begin to recognize, wow, I was made for this. I find delight in this. I find hope in this. Romans 12, 6 says we all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. We all have different gifts, and it's according to the grace that's been given to each of us. You have to understand this, friends. God designed a specific task, a specific role, a purpose for your life ahead of the foundation of the universe. Let me ask you a simple question. Don't you want to know what it is? Don't you want to see what God has in store for your life? Don't you want to experience his purpose for your life? Because here's what will happen if you do. Number four, is make a difference. As we get out and discover God's purpose and his dream for our life, Paul ends his prayer this way, so that you might know the riches of his glorious, now watch the language here, inheritance in his holy people. We have to realize, friends, that we have an inheritance, and it's not just yours alone. It's an inheritance that is given to a group of people. That God wants now for us to be connected to other people who have discovered their purpose. And together, as we live out our purposes, we are inheriting something together. Well, what are we inheriting? Well, that's a longer sermon, okay? There's a lot there. But here's one thing specifically that the Bible mentions that's part of our inheritance. Psalm 2.8. Ask me, and I'll make the nations your inheritance. The ends of the earth, your possession. He gives you the nations as your inheritance. So friends, if we know God and we're finding freedom in our life and we're discovering our purpose and now we're living and making a difference, the inheritance that we are going to be seeing, friends, is people. It's a harvest. 
It's the Great Commission. Go, preach the gospel, baptize. Jesus said, hey, look, the harvests are ripe, but the laborers are few. So pray for the laborers. Friends, when I look around our city, I see a harvest that is ripe. When I look around our streets, I see parents who are stressed out, people who don't know where to turn next, people who are looking at our, our world and our politics and life, and they're saying, there's got to be something more to life than this. And here we are saying, there is. The harvest is good. It's plentiful, but the laborers are few. Friends, there is an inheritance of people waiting for us. As we as Silver Creek Fellowship, as we have really exploded with people and families and kids, it's because, friends, I believe with all my heart, it is because we are fully convinced that God's plan is that His gospel would be preached in all of Silverton, that people who are in need of the love of God would experience His love in tangible and practical ways. I just tell you, I'm going to brag for a minute. Yesterday in this tent, it was hilarious. Yesterday in this tent, we had our family clothing swap and chair. And just at the beginning, like the door opened and there was 150 people whoosh inside the tent. We served more than 300 people yesterday clothing so that they could have the dignity. They could have new clothing. They could get back to school clothes for their family. And friends, there are churches constantly doing stuff like this. Why? Because it's exhausting. It's exhausting. I did 40,000 steps yesterday. We had a wedding here last night, by the way. I see people who, now let me just, when you get married the night before and you come to church the next day, you deserve a round of applause. Curtis, Eliana. Yeah. Come on. We had a wedding here last night. We're doing a luau today. Friends, we had VBS with 190 kids. Why? Because we believe that our city needs to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We believe that it is God's desire and his dream that we together would discover his purpose and plan for our life. And friends, I'm telling you this with all sincerity now. We cannot take the next step that God has called us to as a church without you. Each of you have to be growing in your faith, taking your next steps if we are going to take hold of that which God has for us as a body. If we're going to see more people in our city saved, if we're going to see more kids raised up and trained up, if we're going to see all the things that God has planted in your heart come true, then we need you, friends, to take your next step. Band, you can come back up. I just love this. I love, I want to read to you actually from John chapter 15. Jesus said this. This is to my Father's glory that you would bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Now I want you to see what happens next. Jesus says, now I'm going to tell you this for a reason. I've told you the reason for this. Here's what he says. My reason for telling you this is I want a whole bunch of people to get blessed. Nope, that's not what he said. He says, the reason I told you this is because I just want you to go out and do it so that you have something to do. Nope, that's not what he said. Jesus said this, the reason I'm telling you this is verse 11. 
I've told you this so that my joy may be in you. You see, Jesus is saying that as we discover the purpose for our life, as we begin to walk out his purpose for our life, as we begin to see his purpose and his dream for our life, that it will produce in us joy. It's not out of obligation. It's not a duty. It's the place where we experience joy. How many of you would like to see more joy in your life? Yeah, me too. I want to see a, 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 a increase in joy. And I know that Jesus said that as we are fruitful, as we live out the calling of God in our life, that he said this so that his joy would be in us. Friends, we need you in the game. I just, if I could have your attention for the last second, we need you in the game. We need every member of this church, every person that calls this church family their home to take their next step. And if you're here today and you've never started off, you've never actually taken your first step, then you're in the right place today. Because do you really want to go another day your life where you are in charge of your life how's it going so far do you really want to continue being your own lord do you really want to continue living in your sin living in your habits living in your hurt or do you want to start down the road towards freedom the road towards health the road towards purpose and if that's you today then it's as simple as this you just have to stop running in the other direction Jesus has been pursuing you this whole time. How do I know? Because you're here today. His desire is that you today would hear this simple message that he brought you here because he loves you. And he wants you to discover his plan for your life. And it starts as simple as this, just in your own heart saying, God, I'm done running. From now on, I'm not running away from you. I'm running to you. I know I'm messed up. I know I'm a sinner but I believe that you've died for me. As you pray that, then you're on the road. And then I want to see you take your next step to finding freedom. If you're here today and you've been a Christian a long time, but you're still struggling, you need to take your next step. If you're here and you've been living and life is going pretty well, but you still aren't engaged in serving, it's time to take your next step. I want to see each and every one of us make progress in our discipleship, in our journey towards Christ. So, we're going to pray, and I just want to encourage you, really honestly, ask the Lord as we begin to pray, God, where am I at right now? Maybe you're not started yet, maybe you're a ways down the road, but let's just take a second in your own heart as we get ready to close with the last song. In your heart, ask the Lord, Lord, where am I at right now in this process? Now, God, here's my desires that every person who can hear me right now, I pray that they would take their next step in their faith, that this year would be the year that they begin to move forward. Maybe some of them who are here have been stopped and stuck for a long time. Maybe they really look at that picture of Death Valley and they relate to that. Well, I pray for a super bloom right now in Jesus' name to come. I pray, God, that you would help us as we take our next step towards you, that you would help to lead us, that you'd help guide us. Now we thank you for this church family. We thank you for what you're doing in and amongst us. And we just ask you, Lord, to help us all be willing 
to respond to your voice and your call upon our life. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you are for us. Thank you that your dream is a good dream. We say we're all in. I'm all in, Jesus, in your perfect name. Amen.